today we're landing the plane, finishing this series that we've been in for the last few weeks entitled Capitalism, A Story of Love and or Hate. And so I want to I kind of land it by talking about just where I am personally on some things and, and what I'm choosing to see and try to reflect back into the world. Um, but I know probably more than most series in some ways, there's some really practical honest things that we all wrestle with because we live in a state, we live in a country of capitalism. And what we've tried to do through this series is to talk about, okay, there are potentially some positives that come from that, but there's also some potentially negative things, particularly when we hold up these ideals, this belief system of capitalism versus the scriptures and what the Bible would invite us to see or to live out. And that those two things can be in conflict. And for many of us, we've lived our entire life in the midst of capitalism and yet we've never really pushed back or asked the question, okay, is there a different way? It's something that sometimes, even within Christian circles, we just find ourselves celebrating, thinking, well, this is, this is actually what we're supposed to do, when this series has really been trying to say, well, maybe there's something different here. And how, do, how can we, how should we live uniquely or differently in the midst of capitalism or whatever kind of state or system the government would choose to employ or our culture would see reflected? So... That's what we're going to do is I'm going to land the plane and then because this is so practical, invite you to say, where are you at with some of this stuff? What have you been thinking? What are you wrestling with and processing? And as with most things within CMYK, actually all things within CMYK, our hope is that you would just be honest and let us know and, and maybe bring up a thought or a question or ideas, push back a little bit because uh, I think that kind of thing matters rather than just me saying what I think and then we all leave this place and you all go, that guy, no, doesn't know anything. You are welcome to write that on a card and I will read it out loud. Okay, we'll see how this goes. So, Chris, you can go ahead and hand out those, those cards uh, just to make that happen. So if something comes up, you can write it down. Um, this morning, what I want to do uh, is I want to look at a passage of Scripture that I actually find to be, um, honestly, one of the most pivotal, linchpinny kind of passages of Scripture for me as to how I'm choosing to see and to interact with this concept of capitalism and just my whole life and belief system. And it's found in this moment in the book, The Gospel of John. And it's this moment where Jesus is communicating with his disciples and trying to um, talk and share, okay, this is what I'm about. This is what all of this is about. And Chris is handing out cards, and she's the one that's going to hit the next slide. So I'm just going to vamp for a second. And, uh, okay, we're good. This is the moment, John chapter 15, where we see Jesus communicate some things I think are really important to note. He says, if you keep my commands and you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is something we talk about, I think, somewhat regularly here as a community, that the whole point of this, the whole reason that we would choose to lean into the teachings of Christ is this kind of statement, that there would be joy, there would be fruit, there would be good things that would come out of it. That's the whole point, and that that joy would be full. And so we choose to lean into these things. So the question for anybody that's listening to Jesus at this moment is so, okay, if we follow your commands, there's full joy. There's something significant and profound that we get to experience. So the question is, okay, so what's your command? What are we to do? What is this all about, Jesus? Boil this down for us. And the reason that Jesus continues to be such a profound and significant figure throughout history, and people continue to reflect so much of his teaching, is because he's able to boil it down in such a simple term and form. And this is what he says. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I, love, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. We're going to leave that up for a second. There's something that Jesus is pointing at here. It's an invitation for my life, an invitation for your life to experience joy and joy to the full. And it revolves around this simple idea of choosing to be somebody that reflects back what we see reflected in the life of Christ, that you lay down your life for your friend. And that it's in that work that we're choosing to follow the command of God, and it's in that work that we find joy. This capitalism series, uh, the second week, we talked about how capitalism in and of itself, for all of its good and all of its bad, at the end of the day, it influences us to have a belief about our purpose, our reason for being on planet Earth. And what capitalism informs our purpose and belief to be is that we are here as human beings on planet Earth to produce and to accumulate. And while some of us might wrestle with that, we have to ask the question, how many times do we go to bed at night and and we're asking the questions, how much did I produce? What was my production level at? Am I happy with the amount of things that I got done? Did I not get some things checked off the list that I didn't? We evaluate our life on how much we produced, and we also evaluate our life on how much we're accumulating. We, we look at other people, and we say, oh, well, they've got that. They seem to be doing well, so I want to accumulate those things and have that. And then we seem, we think, we believe that things are going to be better if I produce more and accumulate more. It's what capitalism influences us to believe. What we did with this series is to try and say, okay, what does Scripture invite us to see? And Scripture, remember, invites us to see that our purpose, the point of me being here, breathing, beating hard in my chest, would be to reflect and relate with this divine image, what is good and true and beautiful with this Christ. That I'm invited to reflect back what is good and true and beautiful in the relationships and creation in the world around me, to see those things and to speak and be a part of those things, be a part of reflecting back that creative process and work, and to relate to the divine image in myself and the people around me, to relate with the divine in the world around me, to relate and to reflect. And the reason that this passage is such a linchpin for me is it's in this moment that I see those two things reflected. This is a thread all throughout Scripture, but here's just this boiled-down moment where Jesus says, you want to know what my commandment is? It's that you would love one another as I have loved you. In other words, that there's this reflection back, this divine work of giving your life for those in need, sacrifice. And it's in that work that we are reflecting back what is good and true and beautiful to live a life of sacrifice. We also find this relational aspect. He says, if you follow my commandments, you are my friends at the end there. There's a relationship found. There's a unique relationship found with the divine when I choose to live my life based out of this kind of work, sacrifice. And so for me, the question, at, as we boil all of this capitalism stuff down, the question becomes, how am I choosing to live out and to see this work of sacrifice in my life. Do I believe, do you personally believe that to live a life of sacrifice is one that you are relating with the divine in others, with the world around you, with yourself, and that you're reflecting back what is good and true and beautiful? Do you believe that? And I think it's important to note that sacrifice is a big word. The image of, of what Jesus is using here and the life of Christ, of him breaking himself open on the cross, broken body, 
blood poured. This is an example of what sacrifice looks like. It's important to note the magnitude of this kind of image and word because what we know is many times we have an experience that we think we're sacrificing. We think that we're doing something, but at the end of the day, we have to ask, is this really a sacrifice? Then maybe it's just generosity, it's giving, yes, and those are good things, but is it sacrifice? And that's the challenge for me. Because I, I went to, uh, I've done this multiple times in my life, and one of the things that comes to my mind first is these moments in high school where I was a part of a youth group where we would sponsor these kids on the other side of the world, and we as like 100, 150, you know, high schoolers would all give what we had into the pot so that we could, you know, make sure that I think we had two or three kids could eat for the month. And so I remember these moments in, in youth group, like they're spiritual and having the, pay, the plates coming and just having, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice and I'm going to give so these kids can eat, and I put like a dollar in the plate. And there was a part, yes, okay, high school student, I didn't get to, you know, upsize my drink at McDonald's the next day at lunch, okay. But there was this thing in me that I thought, this, I'm sacrificing. Look at what I'm doing. And I would look around in some moments. I mean, honestly, it was rare that I would put any money in the thing. But when I did, especially when I gave like five bucks, there was this part of me was like, man, I am just giving it all for the Lord. I am just, I'm the example. Get me on that platform. I've got some things to say to these people. That's what was happening internally. The reality I was going to eat tomorrow, independent of whatever. And this giving of $5 was not a sacrifice. It was just me choosing to give, which is good. There's something in the life of Christ. There's something in the language that Jesus is using that's speaking of something far deeper and more profound. We live in a culture where someone that makes $500,000 a year, we've talked about it, someone that makes $500,000 a year, for them to choose to give 10%, it's $50,000. That's a huge amount of money. But just being honest, we have to ask the question, is it a sacrifice to live off of $450,000 a year? Or someone that gives $100,000 out of $500,000 a year, is it a sacrifice to live off of $400,000 a year? It's a different question than are you generous or are you giving? The invitation is sacrifice. I would say the same is true when it comes to just our time and talents. That many times we see inconvenience as sacrifice. This last summer, Jurassic World came out. I haven't seen it yet, but what I do know is that Dairy Queen has a promotion that they create this thing called the Jurassic Chomp. It's no longer around. It was only in the summer. Vanilla ice cream, giant chunks of peanut butter in vanilla ice cream. It's one of the greatest things on planet Earth, okay? It is incredible. And I, I ate way too much of it this summer because it's. I just knew it was a short window. And I would get Jurassic Chomp blizzards, and I would limit myself. I'm, I'm going to go with a small, you know, because I'm a man of, of wisdom, right? And I'm eating this Jurassic Chomp. It is, uh, it's everything. It's everything I want in my life in that moment. And I have a three-and-a-half-year-old son in the back seat going, Dad, can I have some of that? And I'm just being honest. I'm having this conversation with myself like, I got a small already. There's not much here. And that kid, he's going to have one bite, and he's going to want more bites because he's a Blakesley, and that's just going to happen. And so all of a sudden, I'm not going to have very much of this thing that is going away soon. And I have this moment of like, Matt, your father. And a father sacrifices for his son. Here you go, buddy. And I would have the, and, and Anders would be like, Dad, why are you so emotional? What's going on? Like, what's going on? I'm like, you can have it. I convinced myself. That's not a sacrifice. I convinced myself. Look how good of a father I am. We live in a culture and a world where just because I don't get what I want, that means I'm sacrificing. No, sacrifice always within Scripture revolves around bloodshed. There's something to that. 
There's a physical hurting and hindrance that's coming to my life for the sake that that physical hurting and hindrance doesn't come to someone else's life. That's always the basis of sacrifice. And so the whole point of this text is Jesus saying, someone that is continually finding their life in a place where they are saying, I will go without so that you can go with. I will be hindered so that you are not. I will be uncomfortable so that you can be comfortable. This is the baseline. And so this is why the question for me in the midst of this topic of capitalism is, do I see my life as one where sacrifice equals joy? Do I really believe that? Not just inconvenience, not just giving a little bit off the top, but choosing to actually be somebody that is giving my life for those in need around me. That's a much different question than did you give a little bit here or there. So that's the question today. Where are you at with this topic and this concept? Do we really believe this? Not in a song, not in an ancient old story, but in how you actually look at your life, your time, your resources, your energy. Do you see yourself as someone that is here to relate and reflect through this work of sacrifice for those in need around you? I think if if we're going to do this, I would just say two things, and then we'll take our connection time and any questions you or comments you might have. First and foremost, I think it's important to note that there's a difference between being someone of sacrifice and being a superhero. We live in a culture where we celebrate the superhero, the one that always swoops in to save the day, always has enough, always has it together. And so in that, we kind of want to point our life towards that. And this idea of sacrifice can easily lend itself towards this ideal that I'm, I'm, always, I'm always together and I always have enough and I'm always the one that's giving. That is not the invitation of Scripture whatsoever. There's a point that all of this revolves around Christ-like community because there's a point where all of us don't have enough. There's a point where all of us are in a place where someone else would sacrifice and give for us. It's an ebb and flow rhythm of our lives. I really believe it. But that we continue to work to find our lives in a place where we can sacrifice. So if we're pouring ourselves out for the suffering of the world, we have to ask the question, am I allowing things and people and individuals and spending time and energy that actually pours into me as well? It's a balance. But we are not to be superheroes that just show up all the time having it all together. We are to be people that are in this ebb and flow of sacrificing and understanding that there are moments and times where someone is giving and pouring into me. That I need to spend time and energy. Maybe it's reading, reflecting, time alone, time with family, out in nature, whatever it is. But that there's this deliberate work. And the point is, I'm going to fill up my tank so that I can go and give. That's important. The second thing that I would say that is so important is that you do for some what you wish you could do for everyone. This is a statement I hijacked from Andy Stanley, a pastor in Atlanta. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, which I think is a great statement. I've just excited, decided to expand on that and say, do for some what you wish you could do for everyone. We live in a connected culture and world. And so the idea is we see all the needs around us all the time. And we can get on the Internet and see all the different nonprofits that exist to fix this problem, this problem. And they all feel like they have equal weight sometimes. So the invitation, I think, through a statement like this and through Scripture is to identify intentional community, people around you that you look in the eye and you say, I got you and you got me. And we're in this together. And whether that's this CMYK community, whether that's family, whether that's friends, whether that's your neighbors, whoever it is, that you understand I'm here to sacrifice for these people. And the reason I expand on more than just one, but it's some, is because sometimes we do it for one and we go, I'm good, I did it. 
and we're going to check it off compared to, no, I'm identifying this group of people, however large, however small, but that you find people that you're actually living this life of sacrifice out. Because what we do is we immobilize ourselves when we feel like there's so much need out there. There's nothing I can do to actually solve world hunger. So what would I do? Well, okay, so back up from that and identify people around you and say, I'm here for these people to live this life of sacrifice. So this is the invitation, I believe. Out of all of, this, all of this conversation of capitalism, this is where I personally land and believe. Independent of what's happening with our government, independent of what's happening with our politics, independent of what's happening with our finances, I want to be somebody that wakes up day after day after day and asks a question. Am I relating and reflecting this divine, good, beautiful, true image? And is that found in the way that I'm choosing to break myself open and pour myself out for the suffering of the world. Sacrifice bleeds. Am I somebody that's actually living that kind of life? Or do I just sing songs and read texts and have thoughts, but actually never do any of that? I know this can be a challenging thought, particularly in the context of faith community, because many of us have potentially experienced. So now we're going to give, and here's our giving campaign. So sacrifice and lay your life on. That's not, that's not what we're doing here today. It's a personal wrestling match for you. Where are you at with this thought and concept? However it plays out in your life, where are you at with it? So with that, I'll take a minute. I invite you to get some popcorn. Uh, we can make some more popcorn if we need more, but we got coffee and water in the back. If you have a question or a thought or an idea, just invite you to come bring it up here, and then we'll come back together in a couple minutes and close our time with communion and the Eucharist. But feel free to chat as well and connect with each other, and then we'll go from there. So on your marks. Get set. Go. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read whatever's here and uh, maybe give some thoughts, but try not, I mean, I'll let the, let the cards kind of do the, the talking. So here goes. You guys all have really nice penmanship. Um, okay, this one says, I think that sacrifice is central to the life of Jesus, but I think that somewhere along the way, wealth and money gained a negative connotation. Being a good and responsible steward of what God has given you is essential to being able to take care of people in the margins. Without capitalism and money, how do people get taken care of? This is a concept that I struggle with. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about that in this series. I, I would agree with all of that. I think that uh, we talked about this idea of the, the desire for more, the desire to create is good. But what Scripture would challenge is what's, what's the purpose or the point of that desire. And what Scripture would invite us to see is that desire is to see whatever we, we are given as a gift that we then share with those in need around us. And what capitalism can do is it starts to influence in such a way that, yes, go after more. And not only are we evaluating our life as better because we have more, but we start to see as what we have as ours. It's ours and ours alone. And so I get to determine what I do with it. And that's a choice. That's totally a choice that someone can make. But within that, um, there are people that don't have what they need. And so the invitation of Scripture is to say, no, it's not yours. It's actually a gift. It's a talent. It's something that you've been given to steward. And so use that for the needs of others. So I would, I would agree with that, that, the, again, good things of capitalism are this world can be a better place. We can create. We can introduce beauty and significance in the world, whether that's through technology or through just giving our time and energy towards things. So uh, 
I like it. I grew up uh, with this idea that being wealthy is bad. What do you think? Sorry to turn the question on you. I'm still figuring this out. Um, I think that uh, we live in a unique... Uh, so I didn't grow up with the idea of being wealthy is bad. I grew up with the idea in a home that being wealthy was desirable because my parents didn't really have uh, enough in some ways. I didn't really feel that as a kid, but having conversations with my dad uh, as an adult, that was my our experience. My dad was always like feeling like he never had enough to give. And um, so we were always trying to get to that next level. I think there's something differently happening in our culture now that we talk about the top 1% or the wealthy and they're the problem of the world. Um, and personally, I think that there are some things that, that could be addressed within that and how, um, how we're choosing to see the wealthy, but more importantly than then how I'm choosing to see the wealthy, I think it's an invitation to how we're actually choosing to see wealth. That money is money. It's a, kind of this made-up concept that we all agreed together that that's worth something, and you can get things with this. Kind of, and we just all play along with this idea as a culture and society. And so for me, again, invitation of Scripture, this is all a gift. And so you can have money, go for it. I think the problem is when, when we as, a, as church or followers of Christ or individuals, we start to idolize people with money, um, that all of a sudden we, we create that as the target. That's what we all want to go after. That's what, that's what we should have because that's going to fix all our problems and all our needs. And I don't, I don't think it does, and I don't think it will. So the more that, whether it's as a community like this or just as individuals, the more we can reflect something different that, yeah, you can have money, go for it. I don't, I don't care. Like... You you make four billion dollars a year. That's fine. I don't care because I found joy, and joy is found in this kind of life, independent of how much money I have. So for me, that that's the wrestling match for me personally. I don't I don't think wealth is bad, um, but I think that um, someone obviously that is wealthy can be playing a game of capitalism, can be working really well for them, and in that there's these negative things that I've already talked about that can influence how you see yourself and the world around you. So. I don't know if that was helpful or clear, but those are my thoughts. Don't worry. I don't like to share my French fries with my kids. Uh, cool. Thanks. I'm not alone. I think, well, let's close with that. I'm just joking. Uh, just a comment. It feels like I'm still waiting for the joy. I give sacrificially, uh, sacrificially of time and attention to others. There's joy, intense and exhilarating, when my time and attention results in meaningful change in their lives. In those moments, it is all worth it. But those moments are infrequent and fleeting, far too fleeting. I'm still looking for more joy. Amen. Um, one of the things that I've um, been wrestling with over the last few years is this concept and this idea. And this isn't meant to be an answer. This is just what I'm honestly wrestling with um, and where I'm at with it. I know what it's like to take this invitation of sacrifice of Scripture, which has the drive of that, I think all of us would agree, as Jesus uses in that language, is love. As I have loved you, love one another. Love is the drive behind this. And that love is only a giving force. And that means that I just give freely. I sacrifice freely, independent of the outcome. And this is the wrestling match for me. Because what I want to do is I want to turn love not into a, a, a free giving thing that I just give, independent of whatever the outcome is. I want to turn it into a transaction. That I'm going to do this for you, and you, I'm going to see this in return. And even if that thing in return that I'm getting is, 
you, let's just say, for example, you having a better life, you getting clean, you whatever it is, um, that's still a transaction at, at, at the core, that I'm giving this with the expectation that I receive this in return. And the challenge is if love is only a giving force, I'm just doing it. And this is the example of Christ. He gave his life, and then he gone. Because <laughs> that, that was it. And there's no tapping of the foot. Come on, come on, come on. There's just, it's here. All are welcome. It's here. All are welcome. It's a love. It's a work of love. And that my life would be the same. And that's the tension. I don't know. Because there are people that will potentially just take advantage of that. And I think there's people that are doing that within the interaction of Christ and that gift of love. So that, that example is there as well, that people take advantage of that and people are going to take advantage of me. But what I know is in Scripture and just throughout history, we don't see God, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. See ya. If you guys aren't going to treat this appropriately, I'm, I'm not giving it anymore. Nope. It just, it just continues to be a part of the fabric of this world and our life and our breath is grace and love. And so my wrestling match is, do I believe that? And I want to be honest and say, I don't know that I always do. Because when I give freely and someone doesn't, the transaction doesn't go well, I want to, I'm out. I'm out. And so, um, I, welcome. <laughs> I would say, let's keep wrestling with this. Um, but that is, that's a challenge. Research Research shows that only 25% of Christians give, and only 5% give 10% or more. Why do so f uh, few Christians actually give financially? Um, I, I'm not an expert on this. I think that there's probably a lot of different reasons, um, whether it's what we talked about last week, the idea that we don't have enough. And so I, I can't actually be a part of giving because I don't have enough yet, and maybe someday I will. Um, whether that's a struggle with just the idea of church in general. Um, I don't want to give to an organization that is using their money for these things. Or, you know, I, coming, most of, I think all of you know in this room, I come from Faith Chapel. And Faith Chapel is this incredibly beautiful $20 million building that you walk into and has all these great, great things that are a part of it. But I know, as being on staff and leadership there, that there is a strong narrative from a giving standpoint of, like, people that are walking into that place going, I think they're doing okay. Like, I, don't, I don't see, like, there's no paint coming off the walls. and Because that's how you judge a church, typically, is how's, how's the building and the structure. And it seems like they've got enough. So I don't need to be a part of this. And all I can say to that, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying part of the response of that is this community and trying to say, what, what if we were to try to say, no, we're going to give away as much as we can and to try and invite people to give to CMYK as a community, that we as a community are giving away more and more and more and more. And the more people that give, whether it's a dollar or whether it's a hundred dollars, whatever it is, that we're able to give that much more away to those in need around us. That we don't have a building that we're trying to sustain. We don't have a giant staff we're trying to sustain. We, we have this vision of trying to give more and more away. That's always been the idea. But to be honest, we're, just candidly, we're not much different as a community than most church communities. We still have a very small pool of people that are giving the bulk of the resources. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, that's not a negative, like, judgment-y thing. But I'm just saying, like, we have... So I don't know if it's a vision thing. I don't know if it's people believing they don't have enough. Um, I don't know. 
I also, I, the other thing I would add to this is I think we've, we, we live in a culture where we're so connected with so many other needs. I know there are some incredibly generous people in this room that you're giving a lot away, but it's just not passing through the accounts of CMYK. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Um, so the culture has kind of changed a little bit where I think probably, you know, few years ago, the major thing that you always gave to if you were a Christian was a church, and now I can give my money directly to hungry, starving kids or a local organization that I believe in, and that's a part of my faith and sacrificial work there, but I don't have to give it to a church, and, and I think that's okay. Um, we're trying to do something unique and different here, but I think that might be another reason. I, I don't honestly know. I think if, here's what I would ask. If you're somebody that has not jumped in. If you're a part of this community and you haven't jumped into this on a financial level yet, that's fine. There's no judgment, but maybe feel free to feed back and just say, hey, this, this is why I haven't yet jumped in on that level. Okay, that's great. It, that might help answer that question a little bit. Um, no, no judgment. Uh, that's just a question. So, okay. Is belief actually the same as doing? Unless there is action for the belief then is it really our belief? Sacrifice is difficult and not the norm. It takes a unique person that lives out a life of sacrifice. Very challenging. Um, I think that that's a good question. Is belief different than action? Um, I, have, uh, I have a belief. Uh, it, it actually comes from Dallas Willard, who uh, passed away a few years ago, but really, really smart, uh, beautiful person. Uh, wrote Divine Conspiracy. If you're looking for something to read, great book. Um, but he talks a lot just in his work and writings about the concept of uh, the church doesn't have an action problem. It has a belief problem. And many times what we see churches do or faith communities do is trying to ramp up the action. You need to do. You need to do this. You need to stop doing that. When the, the problem is a belief that we all fundamentally live out of our beliefs. We believe this is the best way forward intuitively or naturally or because someone told us, and so we go and naturally do those things. And so what he always said is the core of our actions is our beliefs. The problem is, and this is a philosopher by the guy named Peter Rawlins, he says the problem is, is we don't actually know what we actually believe, and that part of growing up and becoming mature is that we are becoming more and more aware of what we really believe. We might have some statements, but, but to mature and gain and grow in wisdom is to actually maybe come unto a better understanding of what we believe. He takes it so far as a philosopher that he says, if anybody ever asks him, what do you believe, Peter Rollins? He says, I don't know, because he just is never in a place to say, I, I really don't know, but I'm discovering that more and more every day. So for me, those are the two things that are really influencing these kinds of questions. I think it's far more important to say, what do you really believe, rather than make sure you're giving 10%. Um, that's a far more important question. So I do think that it starts with belief and that our actions are found out of that. I believe that that Jurassic Trump ice cream is going to make my life better and that my kid taking it away from me is going to lessen my joy. So that's a fundamental belief I have in my life, and I have to recognize that, and then I get to address that <laughs> because I'm recognizing that. And the same would be true of all these other things. I fundamentally believe whether, you know, that all this stuff isn't a gift from God. I fundamentally believe it's mine. I fundamentally believe that sacrifice doesn't actually help these kinds of things. Like, let's just be honest about that, and maybe we can start to address it uh, from that point, and then we live differently. In a culture of capitalism, it doesn't seem easy to have hope for change. How do you increase that hope? Um, by seeing you guys on Sundays, honestly. Um, I, I need a community where whatever's happening out there um, that I'm seen people, and we're coming together around things like the Lord's Prayer and this meal of sacrifice and reminding ourselves, independent 
of whoever the president is or whoever's in power or however November goes, whether, whatever side you're on, it doesn't matter. But independent of that stuff, independent of, of how uh, hard my week was, like exhausting, you know, 15, 16-hour days regularly, haven't seen my kids and my family as much as I want to on any level, that I come and I see people and you ask, how are you doing? How are things going? And that if I have a need that, that you guys got me um, and that we, I just stay centered on some things that I, I believe. So that's, that's a big thing. And I don't know that CMYK, um, I was having a conversation with somebody and they're like, where do you see uh, CMYK? You want, you're going to grow this thing? And they're kind of this big business guy. And I said, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't know. I, I'd love it for it to grow, but at the same time, I know that I need it. And I need it whether there's 10 people in the room or I need it if there's 500 people in the room. I need it for me. And there's something significant. And so if I can just continue to be a part of this kind of work, that's worth it to me. Um, growth or not. <clears throat> so, because I, I do get hopeless sometimes. But to have a community like this and have friends and relationships like this that we're dealing honestly with one another, we're wrestling with real things together, gives me hope that we're not just playing a game. We're not just pretending. We're trying to figure this out and, and grow towards wholeness and create a better world. So, last thought, and then we'll receive communion together. Has capitalism redefined American Christian morality. What is sacrifice? What is good versus what feels good? Are we mixing biblical morality to justify capitalist morality? Is it possible to influence and change modern Christians' morality, guiding it back towards loving sacrifice in a culture where wrongly defined socialism is a bad thing? Um, I think those are really, really good questions. Um, and I, again, I would just have to echo, I don't know, but I know that this whole thing, as we started this series out, this whole thing started with Christ looking at a community of people and breathing on them and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, you're good. There's something unique, true, beautiful, divine about who you are. So now go. Go and live out this unique kind of life, whether Caesar's on the throne or Obama, or Trump, whoever it is, go. And then find yourself regularly gathering together and caring for each other's needs. And then go. And then come back together and receive this bread, receive this cup, and then go. And that, that, that's the only way that I know forward. And that might not ever influence local politics or state or, or you know, world culture. But I know it influences me and my family and my kids. And I believe it influences all of us together uniquely. It influences our friends and family that we invite, whether it's around a meal at our home or whether we would invite here on a Sunday morning or evening, that that kind of work has a potential ripple effect. So that's, that's what I'm giving my life to. And so, yeah, I'm going to vote. And yeah, I'm going to be a part of that. And yeah, I'm going to be a part of conversations with other Christians that we might disagree with it. Sure. But at the end of the day, this is the work that matters for me. And this is what I want to keep coming back to. So it's with that that we come to this table. Christ's body broken, his blood shed, sacrifice for those in need. Some of you have needs this morning, and we want you to know that those needs matter. 
and that this table, being a part of this meal, would be a recognition, potentially, that you are a part of this community, you are a part of this body, and that in that, that our work is to see your need and that you legitimize yourself in this community. You're not an outsider. You're a part of this. For some, you have enough. And the question of am I sacrificing would be to come to this table and say, what, what does this broken body and bloodshed mean for me? And am I seeing the needs of those around me, whether it's in this room or whether that small community that we are a part of, friends, family, neighbors. But that this meal would point us back to this kind of work. Are there good things in capitalism? Yes. But this, for us this morning, I believe, is an invitation to say there's joy here here. And I need to recenter myself there. So with that, I'm just going to play a song, and whenever you're ready to come forward, take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and we'll receive together. God, this morning, through this bread, through this cup, we are choosing to reinsert, or maybe for the first time, insert ourselves into... um, something that is thousands and thousands of years old. Communities of people wrestling with whatever's happening culturally and in the world, that there's joy, there's life to be found around a narrative of lay down your life for your friends. And so for some of us this morning, God, um, we just need to kind of work to understand what we really believe, maybe first, and then work to maybe point ourselves towards what uh, we think is good, true, and beautiful. But God, we leave this place today, and it's my hope that every single one of us in this room, every beating heart, every chest full of air, breath in their lungs, that we would see ourselves and believe that we're invited into this divine reflection and relationship in the way that we choose to sacrifice, and that that work matters, whether it's with our family and our kids, whether it's our friends and our neighbors, whether it's with a company in a business, whatever it is, God, that we are here to relate and to reflect you, what's good and true and beautiful. We love you. In the name of Christ, we pray. We say it together. Amen.